everyone, welcome back to my channel, to the wonderful world of spirits. We're now on the letter M. So we're going to start with Lady of Heaven, Queen of Earth, Mistress of the Underworld, Eye of Ra, Daughter of Ra, Lady of Judgment Hall, Ma'at, Origin Egypt. Ma'at is a word, a concept, and a goddess. Ma'at is a word meaning true, genuine, the real thing. As opposed to a blue paste. I'm not sure why it's put there on the end, but anyway. Ma'at, the concept, is a state of sacred harmony, linking the mundane world with the divine. Ma'at, consisting of truth, justice and balance, is a state of grace which can be damaged by human actions and negative emotions like greed. An Egyptian network of tadpoles with divine rituals existed to maintain and preserve the state of Ma'at. Ma'at is the ancient, pre-dynastic goddess who rules the state of grace. She is a goddess of truth, order and natural, ethical and moral law. The spirit of what is right versus what is merely legal or lawful. Ma'at is now most famous for a part she plays in the ancient Egyptian afterlife trials. As a final judgment, the dead individual's heart is weighed against the feather of Ma'at. The heart must equal or weigh less than Ma'at's feather. If the heart's weight tips the scales, that person is denied eternal life. Ma'at is not only a goddess of the afterlife, she has historically been venerated as a personal goddess and held up as an example of that righteous moral code, which ensures connection with the divine and the soul's survival. Ma'at is closely associated with Lord Toth. They stand together in Ra's Baku and are sometimes envisioned as a marriage. married. Ma'at is a beautiful woman who may have wings, she may wear her signature feather on her head. She is sometimes portrayed as a woman with an ostrich feather for her head. She is attributed to the ostrich feather and the scales of justice. A consort is Toth, a birds of ostrich and vulture, and a star is Vega. So then we move on to Mabon. Sun, young man, the boy. Also known as Maponus, origin is Celtic, so it could be Mabon or Mabon. Um, it depends how you want to pronounce it, um, I guess. But anyway, it's a hunter spirit whose myth appears in a Welsh epic tale. The son of Modron, whose name literally means mother. There's no mention of any father. Mabon, child of Modron literally means son, child of mother. He is the divine child, and like so many divine children, he was menaced, then rescued. Stolen from his mother at three nights old, Mabon disappeared for many years, held captive in the underworld. King Arthur and his cousin, the Welsh hero, searched for him, finally discovering and rescuing him from Gorchester Castle. By the time they released him, from his enchanted imprisonment, Mabon was the eldest of all living creatures. Mabon is a paradox, simultaneously the youngest and oldest of souls. 
Mabon is generally considered to be identical to Maponus, who was venerated in Britain and Gaul. The Romans identified Maponus with Apollo. His name is invoked on ancient cursed tablets. Roman soldiers venerated Apollo, Maponus, near Hadrian's Wall. Maponus' sanctuary at um, Chemaliris, now modern France, featured a therapeutic spring. Mabon, the festival, that's a harvest festival, Wiccan Sabbath, coincides with the autumn equinox. So it would be Mabon, not Mabon, I guess. Um, it's the first time I've actually heard of him, and that's unusual for me, because I've usually heard of them all, but not that one I haven't. Hmm. I don't know why. Interesting, though. Macarena. Actually, La Macarena. The Madonna of Hope. La Esperanza. La Macarena is a mysterious, beautiful, powerful Madonna. A true title is Our Lady of Hope, or La Esperanza. But she takes her nickname from her home, the Macarena district of Seville, Spain. The Lady of Hope manifests somewhat different than others. Macarena is now intensely identified with a miraculous statue credited to sculptor Luisa Roldan. 1652-1706, who's famed for the lifelike quality of her work. Some devotees insist that angels made the statue or at least assisted La Roldana. The image of Macarena is um, ubiquitous in Seville, appearing in bars, restaurants and taxis. La Macarena's devotees come from all walks of life. She's venerated by various religio- religious societies. But... She has two special constituencies. Le Macarena is beloved by Gitanos, Seville's gypsies. She's adored by bullfighters, not just locally, but throughout Spain and Mexico. Bullfighters traditionally invoke La Macarena's blessings before entering the ring. Her veil is sometimes used to miraculously heal injured matadors. Her most famous devotee, Seville's own, Josalito, Little Jose, Josie Gomez Ortega, 8th of May, 1895 to the 16th of May, 1920, was born in the Macarena neighbourhood. At age 17, he became the youngest to earn the title Matador. Joselita spent a fortune buying emeralds for Macarena. When he died, fatally gored in the ring, she wore black for a month, the only time she is ever dressed in black. Passionate veneration of La Macarena predates the image Rodden was commissioned to create. The image is a reflection of devotion, not the other way round. Confraternities devoted to her were approved in 1595. Because of the intense passion she invokes and because there has always been an unconventional element to her veneration, there has long been speculation regarding Macarena's origins. Some theorise that her roots lie in the mysterious Saint Sarah. Before Jews were expelled from Spain in 1492, Seville was the centre of Kabbalistic veneration of a now mysterious spirit called the Fallen Widow, possibly Mary Magdalene and possibly an early manifestation of Le Macarena. The statue of Macarena is damaged. She has a bruise on her right cheek, not as part of the original statue but inflicted by a drunk in the crowd during a Holy Week processional. He threw a glass bottle at her image, striking her. A bruise emerged. 
Artists were hired to repair the statue, but each time restoration was complete, the bruise mysteriously reappeared. When the drunk sobered up and saw the damage, he repented for the rest of his life. Every holy week, he walked before her statue wearing chains on his feet and carrying a large cross. After his death, his descendants took up his cross, continuing his penance. La Macarena is a gorgeous, lifelike, life-size statue of a beautiful, sorrowful woman, always exquisitely dressed. Her clothes are on display in a museum devoted to her. She looks like a fairy tale queen. Her face glistens with crystal tears. She wears a massive gold crown of stars. La Macarena is a star of Seville's Holy Week, the prior week to Easter. Thousands throng the streets to greet her passionately when she emerges from her basilica, or basilica for her annual Holy Week parade through the district. Hmm, interesting indeed. Now we're going to move on to one that should be well known, Mars. Does have many other names there has been known by Mamias, Mama, Mamor, Mavors, and Maris. As the father of Romulus, Mars is literally considered the father of Rome. He is an ancient spirit who was venerated throughout the region, possibly originally by Etruscans. His name is not of Indo European, um, it's not derived from there although now most famous as a lord of war. In his earliest incarnation, he was a spirit of agricultural fertility and aggressive protective guardian of fields and boundaries. His associations with war came to the fore when he later became intensely identified with the Greek war spirit, Eres, and when Rome emerged as a military power. Martial, a synonym for warlike, derives from his name, Martial arts, martial plan, martial law. A society of priests dedicated to him opened and closed the military calendar with martial dancers. Mars is a spirit of prophecy. Spears housed in his shrine provided an oracle by their spontaneous movement. They were understood as the voice of Mars himself. Mars presided over Rome's conquest of Europe, North Africa and the Middle East. He was the favourite deity of Roman soldiers who carried him wherever they went and conquered. He became very popular in Gaul, now mainly modern France. However, here, as in other Celtic regions, Mars' associations with healing, fertility and protection were emphasised, possibly because of the ambivalence toward the Roman occupation. Mars is a warrior against illness, sterility and death. Veneration of Mars may survive in the veneration of Saint Martin of Tours and Saint Maurice. He favoured farmers, soldiers, mercenaries and those born under the zodiac sun signs, Aries and Scorpio, as well as those born in March. Well, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. So, his attributes is a shield or a spear. His consorts are Vacuna, Vitula and Venus. Bird is woodpecker, animals wolf, horse, bull, boar and ram. His day is Tuesday, because in French it's Mardi. His number is three, his planet is obviously Mars. His metal is iron, his trees are the fig, bay laurel, dogwood and oak. His colour is red. His month is March. The first of March, 
Rome's original New Year's Day prior to calendar reformation, is his birthday. He's venerated alongside his mother, Jeanne Other festivals include 27th of February, 14th of March, 17th of March, 19th of March, 23rd of March, 1st of October, 15th of October, and the 19th of October. He has many sacred sites. The next that we're going to move on to again should be one very well known by many people, Mary Magdalene, also known as Marie Magdalene. Her feast is the 22nd of July. Mary Magdalene is described as Jesus Christ's beloved companion. But what does that mean? Volumes have been filled attempting to answer that question. Passionate debate rages with no signs of abatement. Was she among Christ's most dedicated disciples? Was she among the women who raised funds to support Jesus and his disciples? Was she a repentant sinner? Was she a prostitute, and if so, what kind? Seculia or a temple priestess? Was she Jesus' wife? Whoever she was, she's an extremely significant character in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene is the only woman mentioned who is never identified in relation to a man. She's not identified as anyone's wife, sister or daughter, unless you believe her to be the same woman as Mary of Bethany, in which case she is the sister of Lazarus. She's also the first person to witness the resurrected Christ. Part of the problem resolving Mary Magdalene's identity is the popularity of the name Mary. It seems that virtually every other woman in the first century Judea was named Mary, there are so many Marys in the New Testament that their identities become confused. In the church's early years, the identities of these women were left ambiguous. In Eastern Christianity, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, and the unnamed woman of Luke, 737-50, who was a sinner, are considered three distinct individuals. In Roman Catholicism, though, Pope Gregory the Great, 540-604 CE, a great devotee of the Virgin Mary, declared these three women to be one and the same. Eventually, a fourth, the woman taken in adultery, from John 8, 3 to 11, was also included. Mary Magdalene is often confused and conflated with self-avowed, repentant harlot, Saint Mary of Egypt. Many are offended by the suggestion that Mary Magdalene was Jesus' wife. However, these suggestions were not invented by Dan Brown or through the 2003 best-selling novel, The Da Vinci Code, nor by Michael Bejin, Richard Lee and Henry Lincoln's 1982 study. The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail. These rumours date back to the early days of Christianity and stem mainly from Gnostic sources. The Magdalene is a persuasive presence in the Gnostic texts. The Gospel of Mary estimated written in the early 2nd century, is sometimes attributed to her. Less than eight pages of original text are available. The Gospel of Philip refers to Mary Magdalene as Jesus' companion, using a Greek word indicating partner and consort. Philip the Apostle was a devotee of John the Baptist before he became a disciple of Jesus. The Gospel of Philip, attributed to him and believed written in the late 2nd century, although possibly based on the earlier sources, describes three women who always walked with the Master. Mary's mother, 
sister and Mary Magdalene, called his companion. For Mary is the name of his sister, his mother, and his companion. Mary Magdalene is a secret keeper. She is the repository of sacred mysteries. Her modern identity may depend upon the eyes of her beholders. Mary Magdalene is venerated by Christians, Jews, pagans alike. Mary Magdalene is a Christian saint. That's interesting. I did not know that. I mean, I, I love Mary Magdalene, but I didn't know that she was then classed as a Christian saint. I didn't know it. Others insist that she is founder of an alternative and now secret spiritual tradition. This theory, the base of the Da Vinci Code, is also based on Gnostic texts, such as the Pistis Sophia, which portrays Mary Magdalene in conflict with Peter, considered the first pope and founder of the church. Still, other people perceive that Mary and Jesus were adepts in secret spiritual traditions, devoted to Isis and Asherah of the Sea. Alternatively, Mary Magdalene was a priestess of Atagatus, whose symbols are doves and fish. Some consider her an, well, aviator of any or all of these goddesses. In the 21st century, Mary Magdalene had emerged as an independent goddess, venerated by goddess devotees around the world. Whether a saint or goddess, Mary Magdalene is invoked for miracles of love, romance, safety and fertility. She may be asked to protect those who are burdened or threatened by secrets. Mary Magdalene is a constant presence in classical arc of popular culture. Her favoured people are beauticians, hairdressers, aromatherapists, perfumers, pharmacists and lovers. She is sometimes described as having naturally red or henna reddened hair. She is attributed to an alabaster jar or a box of perfumed unguent or solid perfume, a skull and an egg. Her planet is the spikenard. A constellation. Mary Magdalene is identified with the constellation Virgo, interpreted as resembling a lone woman holding the divine child. Candles, Galilean or French wine, sugar skulls, alabaster or other ornamental eggs. She likes Fabergé eggs, burn myrrh and incense in her honour. She likes all of these. Those are all offerings that can be made to invoke Mary Magdalene. If you want to, of course, but you don't have to. But I like her. She's, she's definitely really nice. And now we're going to move on to one of my most favourites, Medea. Origin, Georgia by the Black Sea. In the epic myth of Jason and the Argonauts, Jason is presented as the hero who stole the Golden Fleece. Really, Medea accomplished this task, by the way. She orchestrates their escape from cultures with the fleece, too. If anyone is a hero in the story, it's Medea, and yet she's more famous and notorious as a villain, a mother accused of killing her sons, possibly to protect them, but possibly to spite their father. Greek mythology presents Medea as an enchantress, a witch, a priestess, and shaman. She's Circe's niece, and Hecate's chief priestess. Medea is not Greek. She was a Georgian princess from Colchis, a place the Greeks then associated with the ends of the earth. Her associations with witchcraft and herbalism were perceived as threatening, frightening and foreign. Eventually, according to myth, Jason rejected Medea in favour of the proper Greek princess, Glauci of Corinth. 
This action is allegedly what stimulated Medea, the murderer's sons. Depending on the version of the myth, Medea either killed herself too, or she escaped in a chariot pulled by dragons sent by Hecate or Hera. Medea may be a villain elsewhere, but she's a goddess in Georgia, where people scoff at the notion that she would kill her children. One legend suggests that the boys escaped with Medea. Another says that she didn't kill them. They were killed by Corinthians, who perceived them as a threat to Jason's future, Greek children. Medea and her sons were venerated in Georgia. Her two young boys were venerated in Corinth, but possibly as propitations so that they wouldn't harm their murderers. Medea is a goddess of magic, witchcraft and fertility. She's a healing goddess. In the legend of Jason and the Argonauts, Medea presides over the huge healing garden attached to the temple of Hecate. She may be a, well, let's say, defied priestess. Medea comes from the family of deities including Circe, Helios, and Hecate. Why shouldn't she be a goddess too? Italian myth suggests that when Medea fled Greece, she travelled to Italy, where she became Angithea. Because Medea was the only mortal to effectively refuse Zeus's advances, Hera honoured her with immortality. Medea may be married to Achilles in the afterlife. Medea's myth is preserved in Euripides' play Medea, first produced in 431 BCE. Opera diva Maria Callas plays Medea in Pier Paolo Pasolini's 1969 film. Medea. She is also the subject of several operas. And Medea is a maligned heroine in the German author Christa Wolff's 1998 novel, Medea. Her animals are snake and dragon. Medea is the name of a large asteroid. Offerings should be Georgian wine, flowers, herbs, perfume, incenses and, incenses, and images of snakes. She likes them all. She's absolutely fantastic, is Medea, and she definitely should be the hero in that story, let me tell you. We see her as a goddess, just so you're clear on that as well. That's how we see her. Medea and Circe both as very powerful goddesses who were regularly invoked and worked with. The next is probably one that you all know, because it's Medusa. Origin is Libya from Medusa. Medusa, the most beautiful and only mortal Gorgon sister in the is a sea spirit, poisoned and courted her. She may have had consensual or even sacred sex with him in Athena's temple, or she may have fled to the temple to get away from him. Pursuing her, he raped her there. Either way, Athena was furious. She transformed Medusa into a terrifying creature, with snakes for hair and a face that literally turned those who gazed at her to stone. When Perseus was sent to kill Medusa, a hopeless task he was not expected, to survive. Athena orchestrated the assassination. Perseus beheaded Medusa while she slept, but her severed head retained its power to paralyse and turn viewers to stone. Perseus used it as a weapon before surrendering it to Athena. Pegasus, the winged horse, emerged from Medusa's severed head, apparently conceived during her tryst with Poison, who often manifests as a stallion. That's the Greek myth. Other legends suggest that Medusa is a Libyan snake goddess. She may be Athena's mother, a closely related spirit, or possibly even the identity Athena left behind when she moved from North Africa to Greece.
Athena's participation in the destruction of Medusa may be interpreted as the goddess destroying her own past. Alternatively, she desired Medusa's power. Athena wore Medusa's head on a Aeson's shield. Another myth suggests that Athena possessed more than Medusa's head. She flayed Medusa and wore her skin. Medusa is not just a minor sea spirit. She's goddess of menstrual power and hence female power. There's an ancient metaphysical belief that menstrual blood is the most spiritually and magically powerful substance on earth. Something that I believe. It can be used to destroy or overwhelm any other power. Snakes are traditionally associated with menstruation. Modern euphemisms for menstruation include calling it a woman's friend or a curse, but an evocative old-fashioned one describes the menstruating woman as bitten by a snake, a German folk belief. Documented as late as the 18th century, suggestive menstruating women's hair is buried in earth, it will become a snake. In southern Asia, there's an ancient belief that menstruation indicates possession by snake spirits. Medusa embodies menstruation's protective powers. Statues of Medusa were used to guard pagan Greek temples. Her image was used in Byzantine Greece to protect pregnant women and newborns. The image of her severed head remains as a powerful protective amulet. She may also be assessed as a living goddess by those seeking menstrual serpentine mysteries. <laughs> Medusa may manifest as a beautiful goddess she was prior to her transformation, or in a classic monster form, with contorted face and snake locks. But she can manifest as a mermaid too. However, it's important to take note that however she does come across to you, it's she'll come across to you in a way that you will react to um, strongly. So she doesn't mean to scare you if she comes across to you in, in a horrifying way, but it's more as a way, you're, you know, how she's going to inter interpret it. The feelings you request from her, whatever you request from her, she may bring forward that energy in order to do it for you. So don't think she's trying to scare you because she's not. A planet is the moon. A star is Algol, usually considered a star of ill fortune, is traditionally perceived as representing Medusa's eye. Some modern astrologers suggest that this star is associated with female power and the reemergence of feminine divine. In addition, the Medusa nebula within the constellation of Gemini features snake-like filaments of glowing gas. A creature's alliance and snakes. <clears throat> Offerings you should give to her are Coral, anything serpentine, menstrual, blood-stained garments or pads. Yeah, as um, awful as that sounds. Yes, that's exactly what you should give her. Because she's, I mean, it's just what she's into. And we do believe that menstrual blood is extremely powerful and will get any spell done, let me tell you. The next spirit, again, you'll all be familiar with it, is Michael. Captain of the Lord's house, prince of the heavenly host. If there was ever an angelic popularity contest, it's likely that Michael Archangel would win. Michael is beloved by pagans, Jews, Christians, Muslims and the unaffiliated. His name means who is like the Lord, 
Statement or question, you decide. Michael is the head of the Lord's army. He crushed the rebel angels. Legend has it that if Lucifer could only have persuaded Michael to join him, heaven would have been overthrown. Michael is the angel of righteousness. He does what is right. He cannot be bribed. He is allegedly among the few angels who know the ineffable name of power. Michael is invoked for protection from anything that frightens you. If you're worried about the safety of loved ones, Michael may be petitioned on their behalf. He accepts petitions from one person on behalf of another. He is the Archangel of Justice and may be invoked to provide justice for crimes committed against you. He is the special protector of victims of rape and may be invoked for protection against sexual abuse. An old verbal charm invokes Michael's vigilant protection. Michael to the right of me. Michael to the left of me. Michael above me. Michael below me. Michael within me. Michael all around me. Michael with your flaming sword of cobalt blue. Please protect me. This charm's power is enhanced by simultaneously visualising being surrounded by cobalt, blue flames emanating from Michael's sword. Further appeals may be added to the end of the charm. For example, Michael, please protect my cat, my dog, my true love, and so forth. You can be a sp- uh, sp- sp- specific, when I can speak, as possible. Name, visualise your desire. It's that simple. Michael has dominion over fire, magic, and candle spells. He's the angel of fire safety, also invoked for safety at sea. He's the patron of those suffering from seasickness or motion sickness. Moroccan folklore suggests that precipitation, rain, snow, hail, falls from a celestial reservoir or sea. Michael presides over this sea. It only occurs according to his command. Michael serves as a cycle pump, escorting dead souls to the next realm and guarding them on their journey. Russian folklore envisions him as a ferryman, bringing good souls towards paradise, radiant light. Michael guards the gates of paradise. At the final judgment, he will weigh the souls of the dead. Michael is the angel of insomnia, which he both heals and causes. According to Jewish legend, the reason king, I can't know if you can pronounce this, Hasuros couldn't sleep in the Queen Esther's stories because the creator sent Michael to afflict him with sleeplessness. John Travolta played the warrior angel in 1996 movie Michael. Favoured people, theoretically Michael, as humanity's defender is everyone's guardian, but he does particularly have a thing for firefighters, warriors, paratroopers, radiologists, fencers, swordsmiths, knights, ambulance drivers, artists, mariners, law enforcement officers, Judaism, Coptic Christianity and Roman Catholicism, all claim in this is a special patron. He also favours professionals on utilised scales, including chemists, pharmacists, bakers and grocers, and possibly also drug dealers and weight watchers. Who knows? <laughs> Michael takes many forms, ranging from a classical winged angel to a being of brilliant, blinding light to the head of garlic. Garlic contains its essence and is thus more than just a protective amulet in an actual manifestation of Michael. 
is attributed to um, shield, sword and scales. Its planets are Sun and Mercury. Its element is fire and water. His direction is various directions are attributed to him. Usually south or east, but the Kabbalah places Michael on the right side. Gabriel is his compatriot, is on the left. His plant is the garlic, of course. His colours, red, silver and cobalt, blue. His date, 29th of September. The feast of Michaelmas, Coptic tradition, recommends the 12th of each month for requesting protection and help from Michael. He likes offerings of frankincense, myrrh, angelica, garlic. In Sicily, he is given sugar and sweet liqueurs. And that is, of course, Michael the Archangel. The next spirit is Mimi. Origin is Australia. The Mimi are a species of powerful, profound, yet tricky and mischievous spirits who live within crevices of rocks and caves in Harnham Land, Australia. Mimi are immortal. They may be the souls of primordial people who live on the land before the Aboriginal people and taught them survival skills and creative skills. They appear in various Dreamtime legends. Mimi blow on cracks in rocks and the rocks respond by opening and allowing them inside. Sometimes Mimi are friendly toward people, sometimes they're not. They allegedly occasionally eat people, although the primary food is wild yams. Mimi enjoy dancing and singing and are credited with teaching songs and dances to people. They also taught the art of cave painting and the eldest cave paintings are attributed to them. Mimi protect animals guarding the balance between them and people. For instance, although Mimi protect kangaroos, they also taught people how to hunt and cook them. The Mimi are tall and so thin they won't go outside when it's windy, lest their necks snap like twigs. Their creatures are snakes, kangaroos and wallabies. They're interested. And the last spirit that I'm going to put in the M's is Muso Corone, the knowledgeable one, the pure woman with the primeval soul. She's also known as Nayale. And Muso Corone, origin is Bamana and Bambara. According to myth, Muso Corone, leopard goddess of Mali, is the world's first female, while the first male was a blacksmith. Muso Corone is among those spirits involved with the magical traditions of smithcraft. Originally a divine creatrix, she travelled as a whirlwind, sparking the process of creation. Veneration of Muso Corone was severely repressed by Islam. She is now considered a dangerous spirit who must be carefully controlled. Demoted from goddess to witch, well, aren't they all? She is now called the mother of chaos, the epitome of primal womanhood. Musa Corona is now perceived as chaotic, defiant and unruly. Every human being is believed to possess a fragment of her wild, primeval nature. This wild part is called Wanzo. And in Mende tradition, it is the feminine force of chaos, which is excised from men via circumcision, so that they become completely masculine. Musa Corone has a dominion over witchcraft. She presides over women's secret societies and is invoked in love magic. She appears as a black panther, or a many-breasted woman, or a little old lady with white hair who haunts granaries. She's identified with hot, dry winds that evaporate moisture.
A colour as black, associated with fertility and black, fertile soil. Her elements are fire and air, the wind more than anything. Offerings, Smith's traditionally craft metal images of her in the form of candelabra. Her spirit is invoked when the lamp's cups, filled with sheer butter, are lit. Mm. It's a different one indeed. And that is uh, the last I'm going to do for the letter M. And I mean, there are lots Really, they are. There are so many um, spirits in M, but to do them all, I'd be looking at something that maybe lasted about two hours long, and I'm not sure people would listen for that length of time. It's already hard enough to get people to listen to this amount of time, you know, so I do appreciate it if you do manage to do that. I'm truly grateful, and thank you so very much for your support, for tuning in and listening, and learning about these different spirits. I really appreciate it. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you're not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings.